worship this morning at Sidman United Methodist Church for those viewing uh, in live person as well as those viewing on the internet. Um, unfortunately, Pastor Bruce is not feeling well, so I am filling in today. So let us keep Pastor Bruce in our prayers and in our thoughts um, for a quick and speedy recovery. If you turn to the back of the bulletin for the announcements, um, the only announcement for the charge is today is Father's Day, so happy Father's Day. And would like to thank everybody who helped make, sell pierogies. Um, not sure how we did. Um, and that was taken to the hospital yesterday, so we're not sure of sales. But Friday went well after Colleen and I left. They got much busier, I guess. The, the crew after us is better looking, so more people came and bought uh, more people came and bought pierogies. So if you're able to stand, let us stand and join in the hymn of leading, Precious Lord, Take My Hand, number 463. Psalm 116, verses 1 through 2 and 12 through 19. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Please be seated, and will the children come forward for the children's message?
to that time in our service where we raise our joys and concerns. Are there any joys this morning that anybody had for the week? No joys. We had one, uh, Sydney's actually in Costa Rica uh, this week with a school trip, the Spanish uh, teacher from Central Cambria, and they seem to be having a good time and they all made it to Costa Rica safely. Hopefully they'll have a safe week. Happy birthday. Can we sing happy birthday to Wyatt? <laughs> Taylor, can you lead us? I don't do it. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. then for concerns, uh, Tom and Roseanne Burkett and Annette still in the hospital wait, awaiting more testing. Um, so let us bow for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you on this beautiful Sunday morning that you've provided. 
for us to come and worship and praise you. And we thank you for all the blessings that you bestow on us, Lord, because we know all the blessings and everything we have comes from you. And we raise up many, many joys and many concerns, whether spoken or not, Lord. We raise up our military and our leaders, and we ask you to guide them in your will. We raise up Tom and Roseanne Burkett and Annette as she gets further testing. And we ask for safe travel mercies for all those traveling throughout this summer months as they go on their vacations. And you know what's on each one of our hearts, Lord, whether spoken or unspoken. But at this time, we lift up the names of the congregation as those names came upon the hearts. So if you have a, a name that came upon your heart, please raise it up at this time. Waylon, Marsha, Lord, we lift all these names up to you and you know the need of each one, whether it be for healing, guidance, comfort, Lord, you know the needs of everyone and we know that you will provide. And we raise all these up to you as we pray the prayer you taught your disciples so long ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Please stand if you are able and join in the hymn of love. What wondrous love is this? Number 177.
ushers please come forward to collect our tithes and offerings? in the bulletin is not what the scripture is going to be. Uh, changed it up. I didn't know what the pastor was preaching on, and we'll save that for him to do another time. So I'm going to use or preach from Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through chapter 10, verse 8. If you would like to follow along in the Pew Bible, it is found on page 835. This is from the New International Version. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Sheep, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, 
Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. The word of God for the people of God. So this message uh, came from some of my stuff, that I, my thoughts on this, as well as a, a good bit from a commentary from a gentleman named Scott Hosey. Be careful what you pray for. You might just get it. You can see a little of the dynamic of this in the proverbial wisdom in the pivot from Matthew 9 to Matthew 10. At the end of Matthew 9, Jesus tells his disciples to pray that more workers would be sent out into the ripe harvest fields that he saw all around him. If we assume that the disciples took their master's urging seriously and did indeed pray for more workers, they soon discovered that God answered their prayers by sending out the disciples. No sooner do we turn the corner into Matthew 10, and immediately the disciples are sent out into those harvest fields to do exactly what they were praying for. Their prayers were answered, and the answer was them. Have you ever said that to yourself? You saw something happening or something, something bad happening, and you say, why doesn't God step in and do something? Maybe you pray about it. Well, maybe you were the answer to that prayer, and you didn't know it. There's a song, it's one of my favorite Christian songs by Matthew West, it's called Do Something. Now I'm gonna share those, the first lyrics, the first verse. The song goes, I woke up this morning, saw a world full of trouble now. Thought, how'd we ever get so far down? And how's it ever gonna turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven and I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery, the thought disgusted me, so I shook my fist at heaven and said, God, why don't you do something? And he said, I did, I created you. Again, that comes from a Matthew West song called Do Something, phenomenal song. If you ever get a chance to listen to it, I would suggest listening to it. And in many ways, Matthew 10 is a remarkable chapter, but also kind of a strange one. The common lectionary has recognized the richness of Matthew 10 and divided it into verses among no fewer than three different Sundays throughout the year. Here we get just the first verses of chapter 10, most of which are devoted to a listing of the disciples and then to the broadest commands Jesus gives them for their new mission. Go to the lost sheep of Israel only for the time being and do ministry of preaching, healing, and exorcism. But stepping back a little bit, we can wonder about something we don't often ponder, which is why and how it can be the case that Jesus authorizes such a powerful ministry for the disciples who clearly, at least for the moment, are completely clueless to the meaning and shape of Jesus' wider mission. It's like authoring, authorizing some high school students to go out and start building a skyscraper even though they don't understand the basics of engineering, engineering and the mathematics that would accompany that. In the Gospels, the disciples remain clueless about the fundamental teachings of the things of Jesus. Indeed, if Luke's account is to be believed, most of their misunderstanding as to the nature of Jesus' kingdom 
persist, persist all the way until Pentecost. Remember in Acts 1, the moment right before Jesus' ascension into heaven, when even at that late date, some 40 days after his resurrection, the disciples asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? A question like that does not get asked by people who understand the kingdom. Yet even so, in Matthew 10, Jesus tells these people to go out and declare that the kingdom of heaven is near. But can you preach that message and not understand the kingdom? At least we think that all these instructions were meant to go into effect only after Pentecost. Remember that Jesus' restriction to stick with the Jews locates this ministry and this proclamation as taking place prior to the Great Commission when Jesus will open up the gospel ministry and proclamation to all the people and to all the nations. So in essence, what Jesus does in Matthew 10 is to tell the disciples who really don't fully grasp the richness of the kingdom to go and proclaim that same kingdom's nearness. And since in the ears of many Jewish people, a proclamation of the kingdom would sound like a political message. And since the disciples were perhaps not in a position to clarify the spiritual nature of Jesus's kingdom in that they shared this perception at this time, it's fair to wonder just what Jesus was doing, sending out the disciples and the core of his message. Let us not forget then in Matthew, there is a great urgency to getting the kingdom message across. Indeed, there is so much urgency that it's worth the risk of sending out even less than fully informed disciples to start beating the bushes and getting the message out there. There is in Matthew great fear that the people will fall out of the light and into the darkness. And even so, messages of judgment and stern exhortation are seen by Matthew as finally loving. Judgment exists to help people, not hinder them. Judgment is for the people, not against them. So the urgency of the situation and Jesus' sorrowful sense of how lost people were without the guidance of God, their great shepherd, is what propels the disciples out into ministry even before they may be fully informed. Today in the church, we often act lack either this sense of how bad people are off, therefore the sense of urgency Matthew felt. Perhaps this is part of why Matthew 10 seems so strange to us. Not only are we not familiar with the activities like driving out demons, healing diseases right on the spot, we're also not all that familiar with the fire in the belly sense of the mission, mission Jesus experienced even among his own people, the lost sheep of Israel. To preach on Matthew 10 requires not just the usual cultural translation to bridge the gulf of history from then to now, but also a little bit of wondering about our ecclesiastic situation today and what we might do, even in an age where the tolerance of our mission that we are given from God may be frowned upon by the culture and sometimes even in many churches, to recover something of Jesus' sense that this is the work that simply needs to be done. The kingdom of heaven is near. What can we do also this day to invite others into that kingdom with all the urgent but loving intensity that the invitation deserves?